You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. This is the morning sermon for April 30th, 2017. This is part of our current series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Isn't it wonderful to be able to come and to sing praises to the great God that we are here to adore and worship? I remind, I try to remind people often, you can't do this sitting at home on a Sunday or on the golf course or the shopping mall or just sitting around doing whatever. Nature's beautiful, God's creation is beautiful and I love a sunset and a sunrise just as much as anybody else but you can't do what we've just done alone in nature. It's wonderful when the body of Christ comes together to observe God's work in his people through baptism and singing the the praises of who he is. And then at this point, which I think is the most important thing we could ever do, is to open up the word of God and to hear from him. Not from me, but open up the word of God and to hear from him. So open your Bible to John chapter 3. If there was ever a, a wonderful calendar and planning of messages boy I must have been a smart guy to plan years ago the baptism communion in John 3 on one Sunday isn't it this week as I was beginning to study as we've moved through John we're in the gospel of John we're we're seeing in God's word that Christ is coming and has come to say look and live And so as we were looking at our church calendar and the things that were unfolding in this week, I thought, what a great time to be in John chapter 3. So take your copy of God's Word. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. We're going to look at an important aspect of eternal life, being born again. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs. Remember, we've been looking at some of the signs. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Verse 5, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with anyone that is born of the Spirit. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us an opportunity this morning to to hear from you. So I pray ask, Lord, that you would allow us to hear from you, that we would truly understand the things of the Spirit, that we would understand 
what this supernatural birth as a believer is all about. I pray, Lord, that we see you for who you are this morning and that we would know you, believe in you, and trust in you this morning and that we would live a life as we follow after you this morning. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for us to take this text and I want us to follow this conversation. It's Nicodemus and then Christ and then Nicodemus and then Christ. And I want us to look at it this morning and then next week, depending on how far we get, we must be born again. But we also must believe. To be born again and to believe. To understand those words is to understand what we would call salvation, conversion, becoming a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's take a look at Nicodemus here. He was a man of the Pharisees, and his name was Nicodemus, and it says that he was a ruler of the Jews. And he, he came to Jesus, and he called him Rabbi, because he had seen the sign that he had done. And you remember the, the wedding in John chapter 2 uh, was a sign, and you remember that there are seven to eight signs, it depends on how you classify them, but seven to eight signs through the gospel of John that are miracles. They're undeniable miracles that have taken place. And every one of these miracles are in place, and God uses these signs, these events, these, these things in a supernatural way to point to his deity and who he is. You take water and you turn it into wine, and they, they looked at Christ and said, who can do this? It's a miracle. He cleansed the temple and then he, he told them that he would tear this temple down and he will build it up on the third day saying that he is that temple. And so we have this Nicodemus, this real person and he has real thoughts and real emotions and a real life and he comes to Jesus with questions. We just sang a a few moments ago about hearts that are hungry for the word and hungry for truth and what the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we, we have Nicodemus, this person, and he has questions and he has concerns. If you notice some things about Nicodemus here, he's a religious man, he's a Pharisee, he's a very religious man, he's a learned religious man. But religion's empty. Religion is man's way of getting people to God. There's not a week that goes by if I'm not willing to engage in a conversation with someone. If I'm not willing to engage in a conversation, it's not every week. But not a week goes by when I'm not willing to engage in a conversation with someone about church. And they will share with me that they don't go or don't do this or don't do that. And inevitably what comes out is, well, religion is man. I'm like, you got it. And it kind of shocks them. 
Religion's man's way. And I said, you're exactly right. Religion is man's way of, of trying to get to God. It's like when Moses was uh, uh, up on the, on the, on the mount of, and receiving the law, and he comes down, and man is creating God in his image. Religion is man trying to create God in our image. But it's void and it's empty. There may be people here in our own congregation this morning that are very religious. You're very Baptist religious. But if you've never met Jesus Christ and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, there's that void there and that lacking there and that something's not right there. That's religion. He was educated. Nicodemus is a Greek word, and Greek and a, a religious leader in the Greek context, and that name would have been a very educated man. He would have been a smart man. He would have been a, a man of the world and a, a man of knowledge and a man of stuff. I love talking to educated younger people. You ever notice that educated younger, smart young people have all the answers? I'll never forget one of the funniest things I heard on a Sunday morning. I, I, I don't even know how it came up, but one of our faithful deacons years ago came up to me, and it must have been in an election year or something, and he said, I think I'm going to write in my daughter to be president of the United States. She is the smartest human being on the planet. Then you can't tell her nothing. And it, at 18 and 17 and 18 and 19 years of age, they got all the answers. Then you hit 30. And you realize you're not as smart as you thought you were. You can know everything and know nothing. You can have everything and have nothing. Nicodemus was an educated, he's a religious man. He had the head knowledge. He had all these things. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He was a, a man of influence. He had position. He had everything you could want in, in a worldly standard. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious ruler in the Jews. He had influence. He had knowledge. But he was empty. Pastor, how do you know that? Why else would he be coming to Jesus wanting to know more? He was seeking something. He had seen the signs. He, he came at night. I don't know if we need to make a big deal out of that. We don't know. He came at night. Maybe he was afraid. Maybe he just didn't, you know, I think he came at night, one, being a Pharisee. You wouldn't want to have an open dialogue with Jesus in daylight and in public with these things. I think he, he came at night. But I also think there's another reason he came at night. I think he wanted to be able to really talk to Christ. He wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And he knew that night might have been the only time that he would have been undisturbed. I wonder how many folks are here this morning. I wonder how many of our family and friends are just like Nicodemus. They, they have everything. They think they have everything, but yet they're not satisfied. They're, there's something not quite right. And they're like Nicodemus and they're just, they're seeking. Now notice what he called Jesus. Rabbi. Why would he call him a rabbi? He's wanting to know something. He's coming and he's asking questions. And what I love about Christ, what I love about God, we don't even have to ask the question and he knows what we're thinking. Isn't that awesome? He knows what we're thinking right now. 
He knows when, when the, the, the word of God is opened up, he knows immediately what we think about it. Do we believe it? Do we embrace it? He knows everything right now about us. He knows our struggles. He knows our worries. He knows our cares. He knows our life. He knows our upbringing. He knows everything about us. He knows it before we even ask the question. And so here we have Nicodemus. He didn't really ask a question. He just simply said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Unless God is with you, these things cannot be done. And we have a response by Christ. So we go from Nicodemus, now we go to Jesus. We'll come back to Nicodemus. And only in a way that the God can do, in a way that only Christ can do, he really, he gets to the heart of the issue. He answers the question. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, you must, you must emphatically, yes, 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 I say to you, unless one is what? Born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice with these words, truly, truly, what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is about to say, when we think about being born again, it is totally necessary. What Christ is about to share is totally necessary. This would not have been a, a common way to speak in this context, to repeat themselves, unless it was absolutely necessary that you listen to it. Truly, truly, emphatically, emphatically, listen to me. Unless... One is born again. You almost imagine what Nicodemus is thinking. Must be born again. It is absolutely necessary. Every commentary, every word study, everything that you read on this verse in any context says the same thing. It is not born again. It is born from above. Now think about what that's saying. As Jesus introduces the topic, it is necessary, truly, truly I say, Nicodemus. I mean, Nicodemus is the picture of which is the opposition of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. A Pharisee, an educated, a man of influence, a man of stuff. And he comes to Christ and Christ looks at him and says, listen to me. It is absolutely necessary that you are born from above. To say that it was born from above is to say you must be born again. How supernatural is it to be born again? How supernatural is it to be born from above? You want to talk about a radical statement. Jesus comes and says, you must be born again. We'll come back to this later. It's where we get the idea of regeneration. That we are new creation in Christ. That the moment that we are saved, that we become a complete new person. We're no longer dead but alive. But it is a supernatural thing that takes place. It's the idea that the second before this takes place, you are literally lost. And then your eyes are opened up to who you are and what you need in Christ. Do you remember when that happened to you? 
I mean, literally, it's like with myself. I grew up going to church, and I'd always believed in God. I always believed in heaven. I knew that I wanted to go to heaven. I knew that sin was sin. I knew all of these things, and they were just academic words. And then in one moment, everything became very clear. What became very clear was the person that I've heard all my life that is a sinner that needs to be saved is me. And it's like a supernatural from above opened up my eyes and my heart and my mind to the need of forgiveness and salvation. Jesus is looking at religion and the Jewish law and the covenant. And remember, he just cleaned the temple out. And all that that was good in the Old Testament to point people to God and the coming of the Messiah, all that was good in the temple system, man and women and boys and girls were good about messing up God's stuff. They turned it into worship about themselves and commercialism and corruption and turned it into all of this stuff. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, I'm going to tell you, you've got to be born again, born from above. There's got to be a supernatural change take place in your life. Or you will never and cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and the realm of God over his people. It is not a, a futuristic place that we are going. A way to understand that is already and not yet. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we enter into the kingdom of God, but then one day the, the millennial kingdom will be established, and that is a, an already and a not yet. And he told Nicodemus, you cannot even conceive, you cannot even behold that there is a kingdom where God is the ruler of the lordship of Jesus Christ. You cannot even perceive the need of that until you are born again. Have you ever tried to witness to somebody that doesn't want to hear you witness to somebody? Isn't that frustrating? I used to have the lock the door mentality. If I could just get in the house and lock the door behind me, I would just tell people, I'm not leaving until you get right with God. Well, that's not very effective. As we share the gospel, I'll get to this in a minute. As we share the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to work as the gospel is shared, the gospel and the Holy Spirit has got to open up the eyes of the heart. Someone talked, uh, told me once, and I agree a thousand percent, why do we sing before we preach? I heard a preacher say one time that, that singing is the, uh, the darts fired at the heart, chipping away the hardness of the heart so that it may receive the word. Isn't that good? We sing and we worship and then we hear the preaching of the word. And so God begins to stir the heart and open up our eyes. Jesus says, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. John 1, 12 and 13, we looked at this a few weeks ago, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but was born of God. We must be born again. That's a picture of grace. 
It's the idea that God reaches out of heaven and into our heart. It's the idea that as you sit and you hear the word of God proclaimed and you, and you feel the spirit tugging at your heart and, and opening up your mind, that is the point where your eyes are open and your mind is open and your heart is open. You must be born again. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be... Nicodemus, isn't it funny how we look at scripture and we always want to pile on these people? Peter, I love, to, I love to get on Peter. I would have never denied Jesus if I was Peter. Give me a break. Oh, Thomas, doubting Thomas. Y'all are still doubting, and do you have the Holy Spirit? Amen. Get it? Oh, if I was Nicodemus, I'd have never asked that. Yes, you would. You would probably ask something else. This is silly. So Nicodemus, now we have Jesus. Then we go back to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? I mean, it'd be like telling a, a little kid now, okay, you got to be born again. What? What do you mean i got to be born again? He's thinking like a person. He's thinking in the flesh. Remember? The flesh. He's thinking in the flesh. How will this work? When you witness to somebody and you're trying to tell them kingdom spiritual things and they're looking at it from a, from a fleshly standpoint, they just they don't get it. That's why we keep sharing the gospel and we keep praying for God to open up their eyes. You know, when we pray for lost people, what do we say? God, save them. God, open up their eyes. Let them see you for who you are. He said, what do you mean I need to be born again? Can I, can I go back into my mother's womb again for a second time into my mother's womb to be born? This statement by Jesus would have rocked the world of Nicodemus. I mean, this would have been one of those, oh, wait a minute now. I think he came at night because this is the only way he could have pondered all of this. I'm a Pharisee, I'm a Jew, I'm a, a Greek name, I'm a culture, I'm educated, I'm influential, I am the religious people. I must be born again. But the big thing to him was to see the kingdom of God. This would have totally and radically changed Nicodemus in his thinking because to him, he was part of the kingdom of God because he was of the nation of Israel. And see, that's what Jesus is doing throughout the gospel. I am the one that has been promised. And so Nicodemus would have looked at him and said, listen, I am a descendant of Israel. I am part of the kingdom of God. Nothing else needs to happen. It could be like somebody today, and you know, not really like somebody today, but it'd be like some people that say, well, I'm a good person. What, what do you mean I need to be born again? I'm not as bad as that person sitting over there. I'm not as bad as the people back home. Why do I need? What do you mean I need to be born again? Nicodemus would have said that. Nicodemus was looking at his old birth, the birth of a part of a lineage of Abraham, and he wasn't considering what Scripture taught about the new birth. The Jews, I wrote this down, the Jews were looking for a Messiah to bring into the new world where the nation of Israel would be preeminent. Uh, the nation of Israel believed a Messiah was coming, but it was going to be Patton on a white horse. And for those that don't remember World War II, General Patton of the Third Army, that's what they looked at. For you younger generation, General Schwarzkopf of the Marine Corps, that's what they were looking for. 
They were part of it. They were right. Everything was right. All they needed was their Messiah. They were looking on that military leader to take them out of the bondage of Rome. They were the Jews. They just needed to be set free. They were looking at a nation of Israel would be preeminent. No longer during the bondage of Rome. Jesus came to bring new life where he is preeminent. There's the difference. The dead religion of the New Testament here that came from the Old Covenant was they were looking for the nation of Israel to be preeminent. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new birth where I am preeminent. That was the struggle. I want to read some Old Testament scripture. You can write this down. I'm going to read fairly quickly for the sake of time. Here's what the Old Testament says about Christ coming and the need to be born again. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming. The days are coming. They're coming, declares the Lord. Well, I will make a new covenant, a new covenant with this body, a new covenant with this blood. With the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. That is radical. It's no longer about keeping the law. God says to the nation, I will... I will put a new law within you. It is something that takes place in here. It says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they be, no longer will each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they all know me. From the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The old law says that we sacrifice and we sacrifice and we sacrifice. The new law says there's forgiveness received in the heart because of the sacrifice, the body and the blood. That's all Jesus is telling the Nicodemus. You must be born again. This is the new covenant. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 22 and 28. Ezekiel 36, 22 through 28. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. Why does God do anything? It is always for his holy name. He didn't save me for me. He didn't, he didn't save me to make a big deal out of me. He saved me to make a big deal out of him. Anything we do as a church, it isn't so we can have a big name. Anything we do as a church where God is blessing, it is to proclaim His holy name. Our worship is about His holy name. Our preaching is about His holy name. Our singing is about His holy name. He said, but you have profaned my holy name among the nations to which you came, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which is profaned against the nations, in which you have profaned among them, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I will vindicate my holiness before their eyes. They're in captivity. They have been taken for Jerusalem, and they are in Babylon waiting to return home. 
And Ezekiel said there's going to be a new day and a new covenant and a new relationship. Verse 24, I will take you from the nations of captivity and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. There's a picture of the nation of Israel, but there's a picture of the fulfillment of our relationship with Christ through the church. There's that already and there's that not yet. I will gather you amongst the nations. Listen to verse 25. It's important to remember this. Verse 25, Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. What does that sound like? It sounds like a cleansing. It sounds like a a, a born again. It sounds like a newness of life. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, verse 27, and cause you to walk in my statue and be careful to obey my rules. In Ezekiel, he was telling the nations in captivity, you're going to get a new heart. You're going to be cleansed. It's going to be a supernatural thing that God is going to pour upon the nation and he is going to gather us as his people and do something that only he can do. Isn't that a great picture? And the nation of Israel had taken that and turned it into religious works and laws and pharisaical do's and don'ts and had taken away from the supernatural gathering of God's people through the Messiah and turned it into works and into man. You shall dwell in the land and I will give your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. The next chapter over. I love it. We don't have time. The Valley of Dry Bones. You remember the Valley of Dry Bones? Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. Verse 37. Verse 11. Ezekiel 37, 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. I had a good friend in college. He was my accountability partner, Rusty Womack. He pastors in Georgia now, and I'll never forget this. He and I had an accountability partner, and we prayed together through college. And I remember knocking on his door on a Tuesday, and he opened up the front door, and he said, The bones are alive! I just took off running from a car. I said, What in the world are you talking about? He said, Man, I'm in Ezekiel, and God has raised the bones. He said, we got to go out there and raise some bones. I said, good Lord, Jesus, I got to get it here amongst you and get some of this. Rusty had then got fired up because God had then raised the dead in Ezekiel 37. He said, we got to get out there and share the gospel so God can raise the dead. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, you need to be raised from the dead. And that's something only I can do. He told Ezekiel uh, 37, 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves and I will raise you from your graves. He said, I'm going to raise up the dead bones 
Oh, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. The promise of, of that relationship with God in the Old Testament with Israel and in the New Covenant through the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And you should know that I am the Lord your God. When I open up your graves and I raise you from your graves, O oh people, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord and I have spoken. I will do this, declares the Lord. Now, you would think Nicodemus would get that. But he missed it. In Nicodemus' world, he was thinking fleshly and not spiritually. The nation of Israel had already been gathered in Nicodemus' eyes. They had been taken out of exile that, that Ezekiel was talking about. And they had gone back. Remember in Ezra and Nehemiah, they had built the wall. They had built the temple. They were gathered as the nation of Israel. Nicodemus, he loved his list. Check. The nation of Israel would be gathered. We have fulfilled Ezekiel. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. The Pharisees were there was to keep the nation of Israel clean and holy before the Lord. You had the Old Testament law, but then the Pharisees added to the law to make sure everybody lived right. We have the law, but you got to do this, you got to do this, you do that. Remember, even Jesus came. Even Jesus got in trouble with the law. Up, oh, you did this, but you can't do that. You do this, you can't do that. He said, I am. I love what Jesus said. Up, oh, you did this on the Sabbath. What did Jesus say? I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I would have probably said it a little differently because I'm a little bit more fleshly than Jesus. I'll do what I want to on my day. So in, in, in Nicodemus' eyes, we look at Ezekiel and the coming and the promises of the cleansing of the Spirit. Check one. We have been gathered together. We have been, we've, we've left, ex, ex, we, we were exiled now in Jerusalem. Check. Check two. We're going to be clean. We are clean. We have the Pharisees. They've cleaned us up. We're like a, a whitewashed tomb. Remember Jesus saying that? I'm clean on the outside. I'm all cleaned up. They were just waiting on the third aspect, this military ruler to come and get the nation of Israel under, out from under Rome. So how radical was this statement to Nicodemus when Jesus said that? I mean, I don't need to be born again. We're waiting on the Messiah. I just came to you to see if you were the dude. Are you it? I'll let you on a little secret. As we go through John, Nicodemus does have a heart change. So he had an idea of what religion was going to be like, what church was going to be like, you know, in our world, what churches should be like, what Jesus should be like. I always go back to different conversations I had. I was in a, a, a community that had a lot of different uh, churches kind of going on, kind of like here in, in the south, but it was more up north. And a guy called me and go, hey, I want to come to be Baptist. True story. If I become Baptist, can I drink and play cards? True story. And I had a checklist. I want to be Baptist. What about Methodist? What can Methodists do? What can Catholics do? What can, what can we, that's what, Nick, that's what we do with religion. What, what can I do to be a good religious person? Jesus said, I don't care about your list. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And then Jesus responds again. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. He said, Nicodemus, here's what you need to know. This is what we need to know. It is absolutely necessary that you be born again. Born of the water and born of the spirit, I believe very clearly. We just, and why I read Ezekiel, it's coming from Ezekiel. It's a cleansing, it's a purification, it's the idea of regeneration and what the spirit can do. We could look at it and go, well, you got to be born, you got to be, you got to be baptized, you got to be water. We can look at different places that the word of God is the water that cleanses, but I think we, we overthink it. If we just step back and we look at the context of what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about what it means to be right in a new way through Christ, and he would have been talking about Ezekiel and looking at the old law it basically means you've got to be born again you've got to be cleansed and you've got to be made right by the spirit of God he said to Ezekiel you've got to truly be born again you've got to be born of the water and you've got to be born of the spirit it has to be something that God does that the spirit of God does there's not enough things we can do to get clean before God there's not, a, there's, not a, there's not a list long enough that we could keep in order to satisfy the holiness of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he broke and he shed his blood. And he broke his body for our sin. There's not enough good in us to ever please God. He cleanses us. He redeems us. He regenerates us through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be born of the water and spirit or we cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I thought about that statement about entering into the rule and the reign of God in your life. Here's a great question. Who's your king? Is church something we do to satisfy a desire, our, a religious checklist? Okay, I need to get in, I need to exercise and to eat right. Oh, we probably need to go to church. Like a, something that we do. Or do we do what we do because of who he is? There's two ways we live. Either him as the Lord of our life or him not as the Lord of our life. There's no gray area. He is either the ruler of our life or he is not the ruler of our life. He has either made us born again or he is, we have not made us born again. We have either bowed our knee and received the body and the blood of Christ and forgiveness of sin or we have not. Truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born of the water and of the spirit or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The flesh is flesh. We'll keep working and we'll keep striving and we'll keep falling short. We'll keep doing everything that we can do, but it will never be enough. The flesh is of the flesh, but the spirit is of the spirit. The wind blows where it will. You hear it sound. You do not know where it comes from. So it is with everyone that is born of the spirit. Truly, truly, I say unto you, 
you must be born again. No matter your background, no matter your education, no matter your religious whatever, no matter your culture, no matter your position, you must be born again. We are born again when we believe and we hear and respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon our life. It's so simple. You can't convince a lost person to be saved. But you can take the gospel and encourage a convicted person to step out on faith and receive that message. We must be born again. I mean, the gospel is supernatural. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what we're talking about here is something that is supernatural, that raises dead bones out of the valley, that makes the blind able to see that we sing about and that we are dead and that we are alive. That is what Christ came to do. Jesus told Nicodemus, I didn't come to just perform signs and to do stuff. I came to give you life new life in Christ. I want to encourage you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask our deacons to come as we prepare for communion. As they make their way, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. As our deacons come, if you are here this morning and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have followed through by baptism, by immersion, whether you're a member of our church or not, I want to encourage you to take place, take part in our communion. I will distribute the bread and then we will partake of it. Then we will distribute the juice and partake of it. So if you're visiting with us and you are a believer and you are part of the body of Christ, I encourage you to take part. Lord God, we thank you for the message that we must be born again. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and you lived and you died and you rose again. And you ministered for 40 plus days and then ascended to the right hand of the Father. We're thankful that we have the Spirit that has come upon us. We're grateful for Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon the church. We're thankful, Lord, that we have everything necessary. And so now, Lord, at this time, we just say thank you. And let us adore you and worship you. And let us realize what our salvation means. Your body and your blood for our sin. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Every time I gather for communion in this setting, I always think about the disciples because this is about us remembering what we have in Christ. I always go to that upper room that we celebrate before his death and burial and the disciples going through the elements thinking about Egypt and bondage and Passover and then seeing their Savior crucified and buried and rose again and then to have the spirit to fall upon the early church and can you imagine that first acts communion service and the disciples I bet were just weeping over these elements and they were praising God over their salvation and thanking them that they were born again may we too remember and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ 
over what he has done for us. He gave his body, his broken, beaten body on a cross for our sin. He shed his blood on that cross to wash away our sin so that we may be born again. Before we distribute the bread, I'm going to ask our vice chairman of deacons, Steve Smith, to lead us in a word of prayer. Father God, we love you. We're very thankful for the many, many blessings you give us each day. We thank you for this church home. We thank you, Father, for your sacrifice for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he gave his body as a living sacrifice, Father. We thank you that you raised that body in three days. Forgive us of our sins. Help us to carry your name with us everywhere we go. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.
1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 23. For I received the Lord, but also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As they celebrated the Passover in the upper room, it represented the death angel that came over the, the homes of those in bondage in Egypt. They were instructed by the Lord to put the blood over the doorpost. If you trusted in God and wanted to preserve the, the life of your oldest son and the, the death angel passed over the homes of those that had the blood of the lamb over the door. When the nation of Israel celebrated the Passover and Jesus celebrated the Passover and they would have taken the, the, the wine and it would have represented the blood of the lamb delivering the nation from bondage. But this morning we have the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, that takes away our sin. I'm going to ask our chairman of deacons this year, Josh Berkler, to lead us in a word of prayer before we distribute the juice. Father, we are thankful for the grace that you have shown us through Jesus Christ, your Son. And Father, we are thankful that his body was broken on our behalf. Thank you now that you offer a new covenant in his blood and forgiveness of sins and new life. And Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would make us mindful of the great debt that's been paid for us. And Father, that it would strengthen us and guide us so that we might live lives which are a reflection of your glory and of the love shown us in Christ Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen.
the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. At this time, I'm going to ask if you would to please stand as our worship team comes. We are about to sing a closing hymn of response. It is a time to response, but also a time to celebrate what we have in Christ. If you are here today and you have never publicly professed your desire to know Christ in a personal real way, in a public setting, would you be willing to, to come this morning as we sing to share that decision with me? You may be here today looking for a church home. You know that there are things in your life that you need to follow through with. It may be church membership or and even baptism, would you be willing to come as we sing? Just to come share that with me. I'd love to, to follow up and to help you understand the importance of these things. More importantly, don't leave here like Nicodemus appeared to have left, not understanding what it means to be born again. As we sing about trusting in Christ, do you trust in Christ? If you need to come and share with me, you come. As we sing, you come.